0: Welcome to Love's Everyday Radius, a podcast brought to you by the Hoffman Institute. My name is Sharon Moore and I'm one of your hosts. And on this podcast, we talk to Hoffman graduates about how their courageous journey inward impacted their personal lives, but also how it impacted their community and the world at large. So tune in and listen in and hear how our graduates' authentic selves, how their love, how their spirits are making a positive impact on our world today. In other words, get to know their love's everyday radius. All right, welcome back, everyone. Today, my guest is Anat Baniel. This is a person who makes the impossible possible. And how does she do that? Through our brains and movement. She's a trained clinical psychologist, a dancer. She's a close professional associate of Dr. Moshe Feldenkrais. She has over 30 years of experience and has worked with thousands of people, from kids to adults, from people with special needs to high-performance athletes to stroke survivors. And with all of them, she helps them wake up their brains to their greatest potential using her method, Neuromovement, and the Nine Essentials. She's also an author of best-selling books, *Move Into Life: Neuro Movement for Lifelong Vitality*, and *Kids Beyond Limits*. I'm so eager and excited to have you here, Anat. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, thank you, Sharon. Thank you for having me. So, I'd love to just start with the basics. What is what is neuro movement? Well, ne- neuro movement is an approach that you know utilizes movement, but not as your standard exercise, but as a me- mechanism to communicate with the brain. So the, the way we use the movement goes together with what I call the nine essentials that are conditions that wake up the brain and activate very powerful uh, neuro- positive uh, uh, you know brain change, neuroplasticity. That means people learn and learn very uh, very quickly. there can be very quick transformations and it's a, in a very different way, a, similar to the Hoffman process, in the sense that it really relies on learning for change. And what
0: I, you know, I know that you're a trained clinical psychologist. What, how did that bridge happen from going to being a psychologist to having this uh, vehicle through movement to the neuroplasticity in our brains?
1: Well, I was in grad school, being trained to become a clinical psychologist, and I also my background is in dance, so. I I I needed more, more of the immediacy of the experience of the body, the sensation, the movement. It was very verbal, and it was you know all went through words. And psychotherapy can be very effective, but didn't appeal to me. It was lacking something that was very I deemed very very important. I was always interested in the brain. And um, there was no term like neuroplasticity, or even the concept that the brain changes throughout life and is always responsive to our experience. But still, the brain felt to me intuitively is very important. I took courses, you know, in uh, neuroscience. Uh, I took some courses in medical school, and realized that there was very little known about how the brain really works or learns. But that's what—that's where I headed then. As a child, I studied with the Feldenkrais, not directly, but with my dance teacher. She used his movement lessons to help us little girls be able to do our ballet better. So I I found him in my early 20s. I remembered that experience and I uh, started studying with him. And from the very, very first uh, lesson I got from him, I knew that that was it. I didn't quite understand what he was doing, but on a feeling level, it was 100% there for me and I continued with my grad school and I studied with him and then eventually I I was asked to travel with him he was much older and he and I started collaborating and and it's been magical ever since
0: (laughs) he basically saw the, the the potential that you were going to bring that's that's what I hear
1: that is also very very true yes yeah
0: So what's it like being in an industry that at one point didn't even have the concept that the brain changes throughout life? And now I feel like everywhere I look, I hear the term neuroplasticity. What is that like for you?
1: Well, today it makes life a lot easier. I find that the the term, it's very important. I mean, it's a huge, huge revolution. I think sometimes people use it maybe in a ways that I wouldn't... (laughs) I wouldn't totally buy into. Like anything else that becomes popular, sometimes it gets over-popularized and diluted. But the serious scientists and the serious uh, uh, people who uh, uh, do applications seriously, it's uh, thrilling. It's absolutely thrilling.
0: Yeah, I was um, watching some of the videos on your website. I can't imagine... You know, yes, we're Hoffman teachers and we change people's lives, but... (laughs) I can't imagine being you and impacting these people the way you do. It's absolutely mind boggling. You know, how does it feed you uh, the way I imagine it does to be able to change these people's lives the way you do?
1: You know, Sharon, I don't think about it in terms of me changing people's lives. I entered this domain from the point of view of possibility so what i saw initially in the clinical psychology and then what i saw in neuropsychology and then when i talked to neuro neurologists way back you know when i was still in israel and in the hebrew jerusalem university it was like uh, <laughs> i needed a temperament like mine to do what i'm doing but like, i was like get me out of here i mean there must be more there must be better it just did not make enough sense to me the whole set of limitations that was were put you know through diagnosis and prognosis both psychological and medical and and so when I started doing this work with what and first of all observing Feldenkrais you know I evolved it to, to to be my own way of doing but he was remarkable and and when I observed him and the things that just unfolded and unfolded and it was very different from person to person. It's, it's very individualized. So, so it just was a world of possibility. And I started experiencing it my, on myself. And when I took his training program, I was a dancer. And from doing his work, I was able to do things in dance that I couldn't do from, I don't know, Uh, almost 20 years of practice, right? Training. So, so, and I was pretty good, but then there was those easy breakthroughs, surprising breakthroughs. So when I work with people, I'm really hooking into possibility. I'm not sitting there thinking, oh, I'm going to change your life. And when the changes happen, I see the next set of possibilities. So I'm I'm always, you know, between second to fourth gear driving forward, basically. And
0: what an amazing, so many things came to me. Like, for example, you felt like there were limitations. And I wonder how many of us are confronted with limitations and just kind of shrug our shoulders and accept the limitations. And then there's the few of us like you who don't accept the limitations and look what it opens up possibilities to use your word possibilities for you possibilities for the thousands of people who have worked with you all because you question the limitations
1: yeah and it was in a feeling level it was a, it was also conceptual i mean i i was always also interested in the understanding and the conceptual level of things. I also have a degree in statistics, and so I have a background like how how to think and how to think under uncertainty conditions. And all these things ended up integrating for me through the work that I do and then through figuring it out and evolving it myself more and more.
0: Was there, I'm going to bring in a Hoffman concept of, of the spiritual self. You know, when you said it all ended up integrating, I couldn't help but think, you know, were there little mini miracles along the way for you on your path? And then you find yourself in this point of integration. Can you speak to
1: that? Well, I think there were just endless number of miracles. I mean, the very first miracle is that I was born and that people get born and the Feldenkrais was born and I got connected to Feldenkrais through my father, who is a scientist and researcher, and he connected to Feldenkrais through the science world in Israel at the time. and he deemed that it was the only live genius he's ever met. So he brought him, to and Feldenkrais came from, you know, after the war, it was actually the 50s, almost the mid-50s, he was brought back to Israel to start the missile research unit for the Israeli army, and he was a physicist. So he looked where to start teaching the movement lessons that he was figuring out, and my father was introduced to him, so he decided my parents actually were a young couple and they had little money. So the living room didn't have much furniture. So my, my, you see, even not having furniture can be a miracle. So he started teaching the classes there. I was about three years old. I remember him from then. And because of that, eventually Feldenkrais got more well-known. And my the woman that ended up being my dance teacher used to take classes there and my father did, so he signed me up with her. So, you know, that's how that went. And it and I took to it like fish to water. I mean, I was very young. I think I was seven years old. And the, the impact it had on me was tremendous. I mean, completely shifted how I felt and what I could do in, in gymnastics. And, but I was seven, you know, so it was just like you have parents, you go to school, and you do the thing, and you can do things you couldn't do the day before, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then you know fast forward a bunch of years and i'm in grad school and and i'm listening to my teachers and some of them were absolutely wonderful teachers but i hear what they are telling me about the eden ego and super ego and the rest of it and i go like you know really so then i call my dad and i oh and then i decided i've got to do something different that includes the movement and the feeling of self and sensation of self and 6 months I took every workshop that anybody ever did. And and I went like, yeah, no. Yeah, no. You know it was said and then it started surfacing for me the memory of what we little girls used to call the lessons on the floor. And I m- remembered that my father was friends with Felna Christ, So I called my dad and I said, "Is Felna Christ alive?" and he said to the best of my knowledge. <laughs> so, talk to a scientist right he has to be really accurate so I said where can I find him he said look him up in the Tel Aviv phone book so that's what I did and you know and then I started working with Moshe and and as I told you I just it was amazing it was so transformational so profoundly on every level it was remarkable right away I mean one of the things about the work I do is that the changes I can feel them in the person right away. If I don't feel them, I know I'm not doing my work because when the brain changes, it's instantaneous. Instant- instantaneous. It doesn't mean that the person gets to the outcome thereafter right away, but the process starts right away. Then you know, and of course, Hoffman calls himself the process, and I love the Hoffman process. That's why I sit on the advisory board, and I've been a talking to Raz over dinner, Raz and Liza, and we would go to this restaurant where there's a paper, you know, over the uh, tablecloth is a paper. So they would bring us crayons because they usually kept them for little kids, right? And I would explain to, it was like 15, 18, I don't know how many years ago, I said to Raz, Raz, you're working with the brain. You are creating brain change. You're differentiating the brain and then you're integrating it and you're helping the brain grow. And, you know, in the beginning, Raz looked at me a little bit like I was speaking a really foreign language. <laughs> so, so then we'd go to dinner again, and he wanted me to start from scratch. <laughs> anyway, so there were many miracles. I mean, I moved to New York before I knew anything. I was working in Tanglewood Music Festival and with some of the world's best-known classical musicians. And my practice was full literally the week I I arrived. And, and then there were... Oh, just so many things, and oh, and the children. This was a huge part. Children with special needs. That uh, I was. I was asked to travel with Feldenkrais. He became more and more famous, well known over the years, and he was asked to go to the UN and to the American Senate and all this kind of stuff. And he asked me. I was asked if I'd travel with him to to help him. And of course, I said yes. And. He was asked to work with a little girl, uh, Elizabeth, that was diagnosed with global brain damage. And he saw an interaction I had with a girl. He did not tell me, but he decided I should work with kids. And he didn't work with a lot of kids, but uh, he had some. And he started referring all of them to me. I had no training how to work with children. I had, you know, I just graduated from studying with him. And I started working with the kids and the miracles started happening including Elizabeth, who ended up graduating high school. She was supposed to, they told to put her in an institution at the time because she was not supposed to be able to walk, talk, think, be in society. Ended up getting two master's degrees and getting married and having her own small business. So so she was, in a way, the deepest school I had because I kept, kept sensing changes, sensing changes, and the PTs that I asked not to do PT because they were doing it in a very rough way. And I didn't think it was good for her brain or her heart. And she was progressing. So first they said to the parents that I was giving them false hope. And then when she started walking and talking and took years, you know, it worked with her over 21 years, but the changes happened, you know, they start happening. So then she was able to walk and then to talk and then they could put her in school. And then, and then they said that I'm, you know, I'm just uh, taking their money, you know, stealing their money because he's already walking and talking. <laughs> you know? So I remember looking, think, hearing this from the parents who didn't take it seriously. But I said, yeah, I guess this is the way to, for no win ever. <laughs> <laughs> you just named
0: so many miracles that was uh, that was exactly what i meant when i said the miracles and i suddenly saw that got this experience of a very high level looking down at this life of this girl who was born with the intention of this, with the with the capabilities of having this kind of impact. And then all these miracles kept happening in her life. And she said yes to them. That's what I heard more than anything. You said Elizabeth was my biggest school, but you also said I had no training. And yet you said yes. And it just feels like in each one of those little moments that you shared was a person who said yes. That's what I'm most struck by. And then the, the, the meeting of Feldenkrais and you and him seeing I... I just am struck by him being at the end of his life and seeing you at the beginning of your career and seeing, oh my goodness, this is somebody who can really make some change here. I just get chills thinking about it that way.
1: Yeah, it's interesting you nailed it because you're the only person I've had, you know, not huge amount of interviews, but plenty. He actually, towards the end of his life, he, he w- flew to Zurich, he, whatever he was doing, and he had a subdural hematoma that's a blood uh, the hemorrhage on the brain it's not in the brain he he was a black belt in judo he was you know a physicist and mathematician he he, he was really one one of a kind he was also a boxer apparently he got a head injury that created a blood clot on the brain at some point, the blood vessels that were going around the clot, I guess, couldn't handle it, and, a, and a, one of them burst. And he was in Zurich and he kept asking for me. Anyway, I flew out there and waited with him and stayed with him until I, he was able to get on an airplane and fly back home. And uh, when we were there, you know, we had quite a while in hotel rooms where. He was recuperating and getting stronger once he was out of the hospital. And w- one time he did, we did something together, and he, he looked at me and he said, I'm giving you my power in the world. And I was in my 20s, so I went like, okay. <laughs> I mean, he, he wasn't like a, a – he didn't do small talk. He didn't know how to do small talk. So he said things. He meant it. And I completely trusted him, except I didn't feel like I'm supposed to do anything, and I didn't know what he meant. So he certainly saw me a certain way, and you you picked up on it very very quickly. Bit, so I wasn't going to say anything about it, but you said it like second or third time, so I made a comment.
0: No, it's it's in my body. I feel it. I, I'm I'm vibrating like because it's just, you know, the question of uh, work in the world when we're out of our bodies and you know, to use the overused word of legacy, um, impact, you know, recognizing that our bodies don't stay forever. And then I'm, I'm almost like tearful imagining him finding you. There's just something very, very powerful in it. And, and look what's happened. And, um, and you do this work with an, on such a non-egoic way. You know, I said, you change people's lives and you say, no, 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 actually I just see it as possibility. I'm channeling this possibility to people. I don't know if it's channeling, that's probably inaccurate too, but I'm just, I'm just getting this vibe of a continuation um, between one lifetime to the next, which allows more and more generations to get the benefits of this work. It's powerful.
1: It's uh, uh, still in certain ways, uh, what we do and how we do is ahead of its time. It's, it's catching up, especially on theoretical level, it's catching up. Research, really wonderful work. I mean, huge amounts of work are done on, in brain research. The relationship between brain and movement in the way I see it and the applications, intentional ways to, to deliver a, or create conditions for people where spontaneously people really learn and grow just like little babies, you know, newborns and little babies. Nobody teaches them really what they learn. And when people try to teach them, it's usually not a good, good thing. <laughs> so it's not that they don't learn from us everything or a lot, but we can't teach it. it has, it's a spontaneously occurring process within the child. So to understand that and to provide applications you can, it's uh, hugely applicable for rehab, rehab for adults, you know, be it stroke or, or accidents. It's for uh, training athletes. It can completely transform the way athletes are trained or working and training actors. Uh, I was with him, Peter Brook, he uh, was a well-known, very well-known British uh, theater director. And then he got uh, a, a theater, a building in Paris, bouvre and he used to teach and work with his troupe there. So I went there with Feldenkrais. That was when I was still in my twenties, and I took the course. I happened to speak French, so I, I took took the course, and it was just remarkable, you know. And then I worked with actors and this and that, and and it's all about activating hum, human potential. And I think I love the Hoffman process. I think it's it's not just brilliant, it's just real and it's it has enormous integrity and it's very authentic. It's the whole quality of the process, the whole premise of the process is really, really authentic. And what I mean authentic is in the sense, if I compare it to some experiences or ways of psychotherapy that were regimented and in Hoffman it's like bringing – People home to themselves, and love is the delivery mechanism. So I used—I I, I probably haven't said it to them for a while—but both uh, Liza and Raz, I used to tell them, "You do what you teach, and you teach what you do, and that's his love." So I—I'm a big fan.
0: I, I can't help but ask this. I, I want to know, like, have you had the experience that, uh, I'm going back to this cause it's, it's still in me, but have you had the experience that, uh, Moshe Feldenkrais had where you see in somebody else? Oh, Ooh, I see, I see this in you. You are going to continue this
1: work. If you're talking about an air, no, but maybe it's a, you know, good 20 years ahead of time or something. I don't know. I mean, I, I see people and very often they have no idea, you know, how far they can go. And I just, see it and i support them and i look at i see it in general that's what my work is about i mean i get if we talk back about the children with special needs they bring to me babies the youngest five days old and and you can imagine that the five day old all that's brought to me has real serious issues or they wouldn't know to bring him to me or her and all the way to you know, teenagers and autistic kids on the autism spectrum and so on. And I just see right through it. Then I don't try to make them be what I see. I just start the process and let the, through the process, the potentiality manifest itself, you know, the process and the growth and the learning. And almost without exception, people that I work with, also adults, always surprise me because I have an idea of what's possible, but I work from a very open space because I know I don't know what's possible in full, and I have no idea to know exactly what's going to happen when. Nobody does. So I just work to activate the processes in the person through movement, through what I call the nine essentials, and then people just maybe they even surprise themselves. But it's amazing to see the kind of jumps Jumps in ability, jumps in, in one of the things is very often people have dreams, right? And sometimes they even forget the dreams they used to have because life kind of got busy and it becomes unrealistic. And then they go like, I can, the feeling of potency. And then they find their way to do their dreams. So I just uh, love that.
0: Well, I, I, I know we're getting at time, but I just want to bring up something that's really interesting because I find it in the process as well, which is uh, the word that came to me as you're talking about this is surrender. You said, I don't know their potential. I know there is potential, but I'm not, I, I heard like, I'm not attached to this. I just surrender to this potential that they have. And it just reminds me so much of the work we do in the process, which is, Surrender to your spirit.
1: Well, I don't have an experience of surrender, uh, and I don't surrender to their potential. I'm very, very proactive internally in looking to connect to the person I work with and feel where where is a good place to begin. Let's put it this way, right? Or where is an opening? I'm very intentional in driving the, the awakening of the person and and so on. I just do it. I th- I I'd use the word collaboration. <laughs> you know, I mean, I I I hook to the person and I hook to the source, and then I and then I do what I, the best I know how. But it's not that I surrender to the potential. I I go after awakening and activating so it can realize itself. Otherwise, potential is nothing. It's just an idea that it's there, right? Well, Anat, we're getting towards the end.
0: Is I always like to open it up at the end. And if there's anything you'd like to say to the listeners, these are people who are um, both graduates of the process or uh, people who are not graduates of the process. So I always open it up. If there's anything you'd like to say before we close, this is your moment.
1: Well, first of all, that I think the Hoffman process is magnificent and I love it. And I recommend to anyone who's done it, who's not done it to do it. And I know that your graduates already know the value, so they continue working with you. And that, you know, there's just so much magnificence in learning and in growing, and the brain is human brain more than any other mammal brain is built to continue growing, literally learning and growing and changing in order to be healthy and thrive. It's actually a condition that the brain needs in order to, to do well and to be healthy. And when the brain is healthy, all of us is better and happier and healthier. Beautiful. Thank
0: you and not so much for being here and for sharing and for being in this community. I know you did the process, as you said, 20 plus years ago, and here you are still um, being involved, sitting on the board, friends with the, with Raz and Liza. So thank you for just being a part of our world and, and for doing your work. It's profound.
1: Thank you so much. And thank you for doing this podcast and for having me on your, on your and the Hoffman podcast and, and, for doing such a lovely job, I mean, you're you're very very pleasant to have the conversation with. So thank you. Well, thank you so much,
0: and to all you listeners, we will see you in a week. Have a good day, night, evening, wherever you are and whatever time of day. Bye bye.
1: for listening to our podcast. My name is Liza Ingrassi.
0: I'm the CEO and President of Hoffman Institute Foundation.
1: And I'm Raz Ingrassi, Hoffman teacher and founder of the Hoffman Institute Foundation.
0: Our mission is to provide people greater access to the wisdom and power of love
1: in themselves, in each other, and in the world. To find out more, please go to HoffmanInstitute.org.